0: This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit that you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music at our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing.
1: Okay, so we know how many guards there are?
2: Yep, Professor Fox. Got the intel, there should be 10. Uh, You know how good they are at talking to people.
1: And security cameras?
2: Uh, Schmitty's telling all the tech boards. They know AV, so they should be recording the wrong video for the entire time we're in.
0: All right, gang. Uh, how's it going so far? Pretty good. We've got the
1: guard schedule and the security cameras figured out, and Jerry has the chemicals to disable the locks.
2: Excellent. How'd it go raising like a getaway driver?
0: Piece of cake. Queen Senda herself has been researching the city streets when she was doing all that stuff for Cheese Drift, so... Uh, she's going to be all set for. Uh, she'll be all set for handling our vehicle.
1: Awesome. So with three of us, that's six. You think we need one more? We need one more.
0: I got the perfect candidate. This will go off without a hitch. By tomorrow night, the pink panda will be ours.
2: And <laughs> 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 wow. right, with that, welcome to the 434th episode of the Mister podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about jobs and RPGs, how to run them, and how to get the most out of playing them. On the way, we'll take your comments, suggestions, and examples from the chat room for life before heading over to the after show. But first, my name is Jerry, and my name is Phil,
1: and I am Old Man Logan. All right, welcome back. As uh, as usual during the current situation, we're going to do a temperature check real quick just to make sure everybody's
0: feeling good before we head into the lobby. So, Phil, how you doing? Uh, physically, I am. I think I'm pretty okay. Um I'm, uh, yeah. You know what? Physically, I'm okay enough. I guess I'm, like, nearing 50, so I think, like, am I fine physically is now a loaded question, right? Like, yeah, is there something hurting? Yes, probably. Is it something to be concerned about? No, I'm just, like, almost 50. Um, so, yeah, I'm fine. Um, mentally, I don't know. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I think I'm, like, a solid C-plus right now. Uh, I've been sleeping like garbage. Um, and, um... I haven't really been very, I don't know. I haven't been very, um, inspired to do very much. We'll talk about it when we get to the um, conversation corner, but I'm just not really doing anything. Um, just kind of existing. So, um, existing enough. And, uh, I'm sleeping, I think the bare minimum. I'm sleeping like somewhere like a, uh, you know, if you were interrogating somebody by the CIA, I think. <laughs> somewhere in that range. Wow. On a good note, I probably won't crack due to sleep deprivation, so <laughs>
2: uh but yeah, that's me. Um uh Jerry, how about you? Pretty good. Uh last week was my cheap week, so I was kinda running hot and cold all week. I was I was on all day where I'm the focus of attention for eight people for nine, ten hours straight. And then came home and all of our games got cancelled, so I didn't actually do a lot of role playing until Saturday. So I was up and down. Matter of fact I didn't my brain was all over the place, so I didn't actually watch any Voyager last week. I just kind of came home and, and got online and played video games with my friends and kind of decompressed. But this week I'm better, mentally. I'm feeling a lot better. It's been a, a, a chaotic start to the week, but it's doing pretty well. Physically, the weather we're having up and down just beat me up all over the place. My allergies have, have been going a little tough. My sleep has been a little erratic. So, uh, physically I've been up and down, but I'm looking forward to a better week, because I guess we're going to have some better weather this week. So, uh, I will be quite as, quite as stressed out or as sleepy. So, looking forward to it. So, starting the week. Bob?
1: Yeah, so physically, um, I'm I'm pretty good. My neck has been acting up a little bit uh, recently, and that's for a very good reason because I've been playing too much Valheim and not getting up enough and moving around. So, mm-hmm. uh, I have myself to blame for that. Um, but other than that, physically, feeling pretty good. Mentally, um, you know, not like... A hundred percent and chipper and and you know tralala la or anything like that but but not uh you know not not doing bad it has been it's been a pretty good week, you know level is pretty much where I would put myself a nice nice even keel so with that all being said, let's do the thing where we go and talk about our one thing for the week for my one thing uh Friday after I got off of work, I drove down to the lake and visited my parents in person for the first time in a year.
2: (laughs) Got to hug my mom and dad,
1: got to spend time with them and chill, and it was everything that it should have been. It was glorious. We just sat, we chatted a little bit, we had a couple of meals together, we did a whole lot of nothing, watched some of the NFL draft on TV, went to bed way earlier than I normally would on a Friday night, (laughs) but I was tired as hell. (laughs) It was all like clean air and good living. Which lake? Uh, Finley Lake down uh, down near Jamestown ish. Yep. Between Jamestown and Erie. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I was I was in bed by like nine thirty on Friday night, and then I was awake at like quarter to seven. <laughs> oh. Because I was at bed at nine thirty. Eh? Um. But yeah, it was it was nice. It was uh, it was quiet. It was relaxing. Uh, got to do an extended drive in my new wheels. So it was an enjoyable, uh, one day trip. Um, so very, very much a good time and good to see my family again, my parents.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool.
2: They must have been excited to see you. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was good. All right. Jerry, what about you? I watched the season finale for Invincible, caught up to the show. Um, proving to be a, an amazing comic book show for me. I really enjoy it a lot. I like the characters. I like the actor, the voice actors. I like the story, and I like the kind of pastiches of, of existing mostly d c comic characters, but it's it's fun to watch, it's fun to follow, and the action is top notch so um it it's got some it's got some some tugs around on your on your on your heartstrings. There's some feels in this show, so I like it a lot, so I've been enjoying it phil
0: uh yeah i um we got a chance the three of us um along with uh Schmidt and Sunday got a chance to play. Uh, started playing a game called Once More Into the Void, uh-huh. um, which was uh, quite enjoyable, uh, and something you're going to hear us talk more about um, uh, next week. Um, hint, hint. I don't want to say anything. I'm not going to say anything more than that. But hint, hint. Um, but yeah, we um, we we got into the first part of the game. Um, the game's great. It's a um, story-based game. About a, uh, crew that, um, used to, like a ship, a ship crew that used to be together, but something happened and, uh, they've all gone their separate ways, angry at the captain for, um, letting them down slash betraying them. Um, and now they have to come back together to, uh, to do this one last job, right? Once more into the void. Uh, and, um, and yeah. Uh, so we, um, what you call it? And so we started the first part of that, which was like, we kind of figured out who we were. We kind of figured out what our situation was. Uh, and we did the first part of the game, which is the, uh, montage where the captain, um, walks back into everybody else's life, um, and, um, coaxes them into coming back, uh, one more time. Uh, so we're going to pick up the game on Saturday from there. Uh, overall, uh, enjoyed it a bunch. Uh, we'll have a lot more to say about it. Um, we'll have a lot more to say about it next week. Um, my hope is we'll have finished playing through it, um, by next week. Uh, hard to say with us because, um, I, there, we love chewing scenes. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we get through enough, you know, there's so, you have to play so many scenes before you get to the end. Um, I don't want to rush it. So we might just be two thirds of the way through it, um, when we, like, for next week, but we'll see. We'll have chewed up enough of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, to have plenty to say about it. So uh, yeah, it was good. It was fun. Um, I haven't played a story game in a while. I think most of the pandemic I've been playing pretty, um, I've been playing, you know, more traditional stuff. So it was actually fun to play like a lighter, more story based game with, you know, a little mm-hmm. more acting and stuff like that. So it was good. It was good. It was a nice, I think I thought it was a nice start. Yeah. And also I got uh, also, I think Sunday and I got some inspirations from the game. Um about some things to do with uh ditch lilies. Yeah. Which I think we'll also talk about um maybe in a little detail next week as well. Cool. Uh yeah, oh uh, that's about that. Um announcements. Um one, as I hinted to before, we might have a guest we might have uh we might have some guests on the show next week. I'm not saying anything I'm not saying anything solid. I like to tease these things. I'm in a vague I'm in a vague cast about it, but uh wink wink um should be fun next week uh and the other the only other announcement we have is we are in week nine of our voyager watch party um we are uh settling into our second week of uh season four and uh boy if um if you're watching live uh we're watching like two great episodes tonight i'm I'm really excited um these are two of my favorite voyager episodes uh, so that'll be fun. We're watching uh, year in hell part one and two.
2: Yep. Okay. Uh,
0: with a name like that, you know, it's gotta be good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are the uh, episodes also... that stood out for me from back when I only watched part of it when it first came out, but yeah. I remember these and I remember being impressed with these episodes.
0: Yeah. These are just like really good sci-fi and good Voyager stories. And like these are just solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I also will say, cause we're, you know, we are recording live, right? Uh, we are recording, on May fourth, so May the fourth be with you, and also with um, you, and also with you. Yes, you can tell who's been raised Catholic. Yeah. Um, I'm that my whole life I've been doing that. So yeah, um, yeah. but anyway, it's May fourth, so uh, happy Star Wars Day. Uh, I I'm repping. I got my uh, I got my Star Wars shirt on. I got the no. classic comfy <laughs> shirt. This is the uh, mm-hmm. this is like my tried and true. This is my weekender. Like I typically just wear this shirt on the weekends, but like i pulled it out of
2: the drawer uh specifically for tonight. i mm-hmm. I'm wearing my Chewbacca shirt so. Nice. And
0: and and Bob is Bob is trolling everybody. I'm trekking. Um
1: i realized today that i actually don't own a Star Wars shirt. Um i may have owned one at one point but it was so long ago that it's, it's long since gone into the bin. So uh mm-hmm. i have to i'll have to rectify that because i do need some Star Wars
0: merch. So the best, uh, the best thing that the pandemic did for me was like, I really upped my geek shirt game.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I bought a lot of,
0: I, last year I bought a lot of t-shirts. Um, I bought enough that like, I actually don't need to buy any more t-shirts. Like, I'm yeah. kind of like full up right now. Yeah, too many. Um, and, um, and yeah, so I just like, I have a variety. I have a variety now in, uh, Star Trek and Star Wars and a few Marvel. And I feel like, um, like I feel good about that. For a long time, I didn't really have,
2: good geek shirts yeah um so yeah i, I have an like opportunity.
1: I
0: may... <laughs> oh go ahead jerry
2: i feel like i may have too many geek shirts. i'm constantly going through trying to sort them out yeah Figure out which ones i should be getting rid of which ones i should keep
0: i've um, got a pile of shirts that i need to like either i think i just need to give up on yeah mm-hmm. like they're shirts that i don't think i'm going to get small enough again to get into and i think i just need to be like it's okay yep. these shirts can go and i could just have that space back uh in my dresser yeah Last
1: thing I'll say on the topic of of that is that uh, I have an opportunity now that the um, Disney folks made a deal with the NFL, um, and this year they announced a whole line of NFL Star Wars T-shirts. So you can get, like, your team name and then, like, you know, Star Wars stuff. Like, they have different ones. They have, like, Republic ones and, and Empire ones. So you can get, like, Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper and the Emperor with your favorite team underneath it and different stuff like that. So there's no oh, a yeah? synergy there for multiple, multiple fandoms.
0: No, no, I'm just saying like, I mean, I could get like, I, I could get like a, like a, you get like a rebel bills.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so far I... there's
1: only two styles that I've seen. I don't, I haven't looked at the site to see what the other ones are, if there are any, but you can definitely get like the bills with Han, Leia and Luke in the, in some of their mm-hmm. poses.
0: Could I get could I get Han Solo instead of in his normal pants with the white stripe? Could I get him in the Bill's Zumbas? Ah, like ah, that would be that
1: would be amusing.
0: That would be like that, that, be that to amusing. me would that that would be like peak marketing right peak there. Marketing. All right. Chewbacca jumping through a table. Oh, there you like, go. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
1: That, anyway,
0: that anyway, that take that, that's, that's yep. basically all we got, right? Yeah, like, we, don't, we, got. we don't really have anything else. Yeah,
1: no. So that brings us to the feature segment, which is a workshop, Phil. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Is it going? Are you not hearing it? No, nah, I legitimately couldn't hear it. I can't hear it either. We did a pre Workshop, workshop, doing jobs, pulling off heists, doing jobs, taking the money for yourself. You don't need any boss. You don't need anyone to give you a mission. You're going to do this stuff yourself in the workshop. Don't suck. Don't suck. Yeah. that That is a bad opening, my that, friends. That,
1: that, that is the reason why we do those checks in the beginning. I pushed the button. No, no. Heard heard the heard stop, we heard you. We heard you. Yeah, everything perfectly. should have so been done. Yeah, that. That's just weird. All right.
2: It's weird. All okay. right.
1: Well, let's just do the thing. then. <laughs> All
2: right. So tonight our workshop is about doing jobs. Because last week we talked about mission-based adventures, and there's so much overlap with job-based adventures that it seemed logical to cover jobs as well. So tonight we're going to look at job-based adventures, how they differ from and are similar traditions, and how to best GM this type of framework.
1: And we're not going to waste any time getting started. So, Phil, let me cue you up for some definitions here.
2: Behold,
0: you are in the presence
1: of definition panda.
0: are All right. Let's get, uh, let's get defined right away the keyword for the night, which is job, uh, a task or piece of work, especially one that is paid. Um, I like this one, uh, for a couple parts, right? Task or work, meaning you're doing something. Uh, paid means that there's a kind of reward or something of value for the, for the task that you are doing. Okay. So keep that in mind, right? We're doing something and we're getting paid for it. Here's another definition uh which is a little more on point for what we're talking about tonight to carry out a crime especially a robbery. Um key parts of this one cuz I really like this definition right to carry out meaning again you're doing something um crime being a a keyword here um whatever it is you're doing is most likely illegal to somebody like It might not feel illegal to you, but it's probably illegal to who you're, whom you're doing it to. Um, so if we kind of take both of those definitions and mash them together and translate them, um, into, into like an RPG, Mm -hmm. then, um, the job is a type of adventure framework where the characters initiate some sort of crime or crimes in order to get some kind of reward or something else of value. Okay. Okay. So um that's the job Um, and that's going to be our focus. Now, there's a lot of overlap with mission. So I want to give you the definition of mission again, and then we'll talk about the differences and similarities. So a mission is a type of adventure framework where the characters are given an assignment to complete to advance the ideology or goals of an NPC typically involving travel. All
1: right. So we know from last week's discussion that there's some overlaps between jobs and missions. Jerry, can you go over
2: those, please? All right. Well, a couple of the overlaps between these two frameworks, uh, they kind of occur in the middle. In both missions and jobs, the group are going to have a target. They're going to have an objective. They're going to need to make a plan on how to achieve it, and then they're going to need to execute that plan. So a lot of we talked about last week regarding legwork and execution with the to missions, also going apply to jobs.
1: But since we're spending a whole episode talking about them, they also have to be different. So, Phil, what makes jobs different from missions?
2: Yeah, so we're going to get
0: into this in a lot more detail in just a few minutes. But the biggest difference between jobs and missions is how they initiate and how they complete. So basically the opposite of everything Jerry talked about. Jerry talked about everything being the same in the middle. Missions and jobs are different on the bookends. Um, Jobs are initiated by the players through their characters they decide what crime or criminal enterprise they want to engage in and who or what the target's going to be. In addition, after the execution of the plan, especially if they're stealing something, like not just cash, um, then Mm -hmm. they may have to deal with how to convert that into something more usable for them, like how to turn your um, priceless art into money that you could spend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise, you're just running around with a piece of priceless art.
1: Sometimes you have to do some kind of conversion with cash, too, because it may be... Mm
0: -hmm. You do. Sometimes you have to convert it. Sometimes you have to wash your cash.
1: <laughs> Launder. Take
0: it to the laundry, yes,
1: so yes. to speak.
2: Hey, we got paid in Bitcoin.
1: Yay. Uh, okay, <laughs> so now that we have some idea of the similarities and differences, let's break down what the job framework looks like.
2: All right, let's look at the identity of jobs. As we did last week, we're going to review the framework of a typical job. And again, there's going to be exceptions. This is a typical job. There are countless variations on this framework, but the to review should be recognizable to most of us. So, Bill, it starts with? It starts with scouting.
0: Uh, In this phase, the players find potential targets and objectives. Um, This often involves some role playing, some skill checks. Like they might get a, um, the group might be casing a location for a robbery, right? So they might just like actually make some skill checks to see what they can, you know, like what they can see about the security and stuff. Um, It might be uh, social, right? Like they may get a tip from a contact about an important shipment coming into port. Um, so there might, that might be like some role playing or some social skills. Um, they may be camping on a message board looking for information, um, about an object or a person of interest. Um, so that, you know, could also be, um, you know, that might, that e- may either be social based on the message, you know, message board, um, or, uh, it could just be some skill checks, things like that. But the goal of, the goal of the scouting phase is for characters to generate ideas for potential jobs.
2: So, after that, they have to select their jobs. So with some potential list of jobs in the previous phase, the characters select the job that they wish to undertake. It's going to be on in character, at the character level, or it can be done the player level. Here's one of the major differences between jobs and missions. In the first the missions, the first two phases are done by the NPC who gives the characters the mission. But in jobs, the characters have to do all this themselves. And the goal of this phase is going to be to select the target and select the objective
0: yeah, you basically come out of this phase at the same place you came out of when you accepted the mission,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like, at this point, you should end this phase when you know, like, we are stealing this statue. The pink, the, the pink panda. The pink panda, right. The pink panda. We are mm-hmm. stealing the pink panda. Yeah. Okay, so the next phase, and we talked about this last week, so we're not going to beat it to death, is legwork. Um, in this phase, right, the players are going to do some work to get prepared to execute the mission. Um, and the goal of this phase is to feel comfortable to go execute the mission. Like that is, it, it, you don't leave this phase. I mean, some players do and then um, hilarity ensues. Um, but you really shouldn't leave this phase until you're comfortable um, with what you're going to do. Uh, and then as we talked about in last week in more detail during this phase, um, you 're really working on three areas right so you 're coming up with a plan that 's the that's that 's the main piece of this right you 're coming up with a plan and in support of that you are collecting intelligence so um, maybe now that you know that you're going to rob the art installation, you might now as part of your intelligence gathering, you might send somebody in to you know do a walk by past the painting and kind of see what um What, you know, what, what they can see, or you might even have uh somebody like pay a guy um to cross the line on the ground to see what alarms go off when, you know, as a way to kind of uh test the security. Right. So you're going to, but the goal of that intelligence is to get enough information to better build your plan. Right. Because your plan, and I think we all know this when you've done planning, your plan is full of questions and the more of them you answer the more comfortable you will be moving out of this phase, but you need like, you need to fill in those gaps. So intelligence is the primary way to do that. The mm-hmm. second thing that you'll be doing is collecting assets for the mission. And, or mm-hmm. in this case, the job you will be collecting assets and assets are um, people and devices that will facilitate executing your plan. Yeah. So maybe you need to get a, um, maybe you need to get one of those like pneumatic grappling hooks, to get up to the top of the uh, thing, or maybe you need janitor outfits so that you can take over the janitor crew in the art, in the art museum. Those are assets. And you're going to collect both of those. You're going to collect intelligence and assets in order to fill in your plan and then eventually feel comfortable enough
2: to lead to what? The execution. Again, we talked about this in some depth last week. This is when the characters found goal go and attempt to achieve the objective. This is when they're going to enact their plan. They're going to involve skill checks. Role-playing may even involve some combat. Depending on their plan and the outcomes of their skill checks, If either go smoothly or not so smoothly. And there are a few subparts of this section that are worth noting. First, we have the insertion, where they get into the actual uh, plan itself and start executing it. Then there's the twist. There's always a twist somewhere in the middle of the, of the plot to make sure things don't go completely smoothly to give the player something to react against they hadn't planned on it exactly. And then there's the extraction, getting out with the objective, assuming they've, they got it. So those are similar to what happens in the mission, but they're going to occur as you go through and they can take various lengths of time. But this phase ends when the outcome of the mission has been determined and the characters leave the mission site, which then sends them to Phil. Uh, yeah, this, the
0: next one is, um, right. I know we all want to make that same joke. Um, it's so good. Um, anyway, (laughs) derailed. Um, Jerry did such a good job of handing it off to me and I couldn't resist the joke. Sorry. Um, after the uh after the execution when you have the goods assuming you have them right like things went things went enough to plan and you have the goods um mm-hmm. you may now need to fence them yes uh and that is you've stolen something and you now need to convert it into whatever passes for money um in your world right so if we just stick to modern times you've stolen the artwork and you need to get like money put into your cayman islands account
2: yeah so for example the Characters have stolen a set of diamonds and either convert them into cash. Or the hackers transferred a lot amount of money from the corporate mainframe and needs to launder the money before it can go to the team's accounts.
0: Sure. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, in these cases, you need a fence. Uh, and a quick definition, fence comes from thieves slang for defense, as in the idea that um, selling your stolen goods to a middleman, you wouldn't actually be caught with the goods. Right mm-hmm. so if you were you know if if people are looking for somebody if they're looking for stolen diamonds and you no longer have the stolen diamonds, that's yep. like a layer of defense at least that's what wikipedia said, yeah mm-hmm. um, but the fence, and they go by different names, um sometimes fixer um mm-hmm. is like in cyberpunk but but traditionally, this is the fence, right the fence is the person who takes the goods from the character and gives them something more usable, often cash and Implied here, untraceable cash. Yeah. Yeah. Like something that's not going to come back on, um, on our, on our crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is that the fence is a character who is well connected and has the capital to, uh, pay the characters for what they've stolen mm-hmm. and yet sell, sell it to somebody else at a margin that is profitable. And it's a, it's a win-win. The players don't, um, The players get rid of the hot item. Uh, they get, um, yummy cash, right? Like, which is, you know, usable for all sorts of things. Um, and then the fence, the fence takes on the responsibility of moving, um, this item through their web of contacts, and then they'll get money back from that. Often we don't really trouble ourselves on the economy of the fence. Um, Mm-hmm. And in honestly, the game, but it,
1: it really can take any form at all. I mean, your fence could yeah. take your stolen Monet and give the characters $3 million in Google gift cards. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and
0: in <laughs> fact, in some ways, like that may be a good untraceable, right? Yeah. Like,
1: or um, Amazon gift cards. Like all of a sudden your Amazon shopping goes up. <laughs> right.
2: If all I wanted was cash, why, did I, why didn't I just keep the Monet? Anyway. Right. Really bad joke. I'm not, an art, I'm, not an art, I'm not an art expert, so. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what happens, though, is that the characters can sell these items themselves if they want. But this is going to come with risks. They'll probably make a better profit, but they even to know people who would be interested and can afford the items. And they need to hold on to those items until the transaction is done.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it, this is like, um, this is the equivalent of not using a realtor to sell your house. Like, yes, you will make more money by not using a realtor to sell your house, but you will have to do all the rest of the work, yep. right? Like the, the the fence is a service, right? The fence is what you, um, it is the price of doing business, uh, in a way that says like, I only want to be responsible for this item up to a certain point, And then I just want my reward and, and be done and the defense provides this as a service so um yep. yeah so in uh, in in some other cases so in some other cases characters won't need to actually convert the items that that the job has um like entailed right yep. like um first of all the item could be intangible right mm-hmm. like it might be like information that they needed they did a job to get some information sometimes you do a job to get info on another job Right. Like you might rob um, you might rob the security firm that is uh, that built the security system for the site that you really want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And what you really just took was the information. Um, sometimes the item you steal is already untraceable. Like you did a job and stole um, you stole the drug lord's like, you know, shipment of money. That might not be the brightest thing to to do. But um, you know, they already laundered it. It was pretty untraceable to begin with, so you don't actually need a fence. You can just take it and move it yourself.
2: And sometimes um, what you're stealing isn't even valuable in money. Maybe you're helping to uh you know liberate somebody from a from a from prison or get somebody out of a situation. And if mm-hmm. the thing that you're liberating is you know, something you want to keep, like a starship, or somebody that you don't want to just sell for money, like people, uh hmm. then there might be some. There might not even be a means to get to the fence at all, and it might be an entirely different campaign story going from there.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Right. I mean, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, a jailbreak. Yep. Is a job.
2: Yeah. Right. Rescue so the
1: princess who uh, who is being held against her will, and uh, and she dies in the escape. So I that mean, a the good, guy ex-
0: a good extraction.
2: After. Good extraction is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. A good extraction is. is Helping get the princess off the Death Star. We're talking about Bay the Fourth today. That That's is right. a job. That is a job. I'm not gonna say they rescued her. I think she got there, and, and, and I think they got there, and she kind of rescued them. But we're gonna go with that. So, uh,
0: I mean, they, there is a twist, right? You find yeah. out that she's more badass than uh, than yeah. all of you. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway. Um, there are, so, oh, and the last thing is, like, the item that you steal could be directly usable to the players. Like, perhaps you steal the hyperdrive, like, a prototype hyperdrive, mm-hmm. for, and, and install it right into your ship. Yeah. Um, in which case, you don't need a fence because you're just moving it right into your ship. Yeah. Um, so in some cases, and that's why this fencing step is optional, in some cases, you don't actually need a fence. Um, because you have a, like, you have a direct means to use the item or, it, it doesn't need to be converted into currency. But yep. when needed, the goal of the fence is to convert the stolen items into something that the characters can use.
2: Right. And after that's done, then we're going to go into, just like with missions, the aftermath. This is very similar to missions, and it's also basically the denouement of the job. This may involve spending some money earned for the mission, or just some downtime, or the repercussions of the mission. In some cases, a mechanic for heat, how so much attention the character generates, and in some cases, the GM will narrate the greater impact of the job on the story arc, campaign, etc. Now that you've now that you've taken the drug, the drug lord's money, um, now he doesn't have the funds to continue his empire, and an even worse drug lord has stepped up to take the reins. Blah, ha, ha, ha. Dun, but you dun, got revenge dun. on, the, but you still got revenge on the drug lord itself.
0: Show the scene where he flips the table over. Yeah. Tells the Sicario to go find and put a bullet.
1: I want him dead. His money. I want his family
0: dead. All right. So
1: now that we understand the structure of what makes up the framework of a job, let's talk about some jamming
0: advice for getting the most out of it. Yep. Yep. All right. So our jamming advice is going to focus on the difference between these frameworks, which means that we're going to focus heavily on scouting, selection, and fencing. Our advice on legwork, execution, and aftermath is all in last episode. So just like go hit up that like that last episode, because everything we said about legwork execution and aftermath is all true here as well. Yep.
2: yep. Okay. So here are some of our tips, chair. First of all, involve all the players in the scouting phase. Every player going refi- way to find potential jobs, their own actions, their content, their contests, et cetera. And if the whole group is involved, the player is engaged and feel free to ask players about this, even if they're playing in a game, where their character might be more um, single faceted, you know, if you've got the fighter who only runs around beating things up, he's probably got contacts with the local fighters' guild, or is good at carousing bars or something. Okay. Different to kind of nudge your players, give them the chance to take their own initiative, but rather sure that all of them get involved in the scouting phase.
0: Yeah, otherwise this becomes like like the job of one character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like that can get kind of boring. And even if you have one character whose primary job is scouting, you should always have other characters getting tips on like tips and info
2: on jobs. Or being involved in it. If you've got a character who you might have a player who's just not good at scouting and maybe they are playing the big fighter, then have them bodyguard somebody else and have some other encounter where they get to show how big and tough they are and intimidate somebody so that the other character can be part of the mission. Be sure to find ways to drag them all in. And this is where you as a GM can think outside the box in ways to bring players in and keep them all engaged in the story, but also engage with each other. But uh, they'll have a lot of fun with that. This is a chance to to find a character who has something they've always wanted to do and don't get a chance to do it. Find a way to help them use that for scouting.
1: Yeah, and like you said, it's good for everybody at the table because you keep everybody involved. And and it's also it it, it's a good change of pace sometimes because you get a little different perspective. You know, Hannibal may be your big mastermind at planning your jobs, but every once in a while you got to let Face plan the job because some weird shit might happen, and it'll be fun.
2: And hopefully, it'll involve giant cranes. (laughs) Yeah,
1: cargo containers. That's why you got to like the you got to like the twist in that one where he just
0: puts the rocket right into the ship, right? Like just. Yeah, a good movie. I oh, love that right. movie. That movie doesn't get enough love. I'm just no. going to say that just as an aside right here for a moment. That 18 movie does not get enough love and it deserves way more love than it yes. gets.
2: I agree. So, All right.
0: Uh, yeah. Next tip. If you're running a job based campaign. So like, let's say that you're, you know, I did this years ago. I had this um, heist game where um, we just, you know, it was a D20 modern game, a game that I would totally reprise in fate nowadays. Um, it was a D20 modern game where the, um, um, the characters were a crew working out of Vegas and doing, uh, doing different jobs. If you're doing a, a campaign like that and got like, you could have just translated that whole thing to Star Wars, by the way. Like it, yeah. it is directly transferable to a Star Wars Outer Rim scoundrel game. Okay. Um, you should have a short list in your campaign of leads for the characters to select from. If, if, if all they ever have is the next lead in front of them, like you're really just doing de facto missions, yeah, right? Where the GM is the mission giver, right? Like what, what you really want to do, what really accentuates being your own crew, right? And not, and not reporting to somebody is having the choice of potential jobs. So you want to have like a short list of, well, we could do this art heist. Like, or we could, um, you know, we could sneak in and get the formula for, you know, the red mist drug from this guy. Like, and just, and then that way, when the players are in that selection phase, it's actually really a selection.
2: One of the games that did a good job with this, that's a more, that's less of a story game, more traditional game, was Pathfinder's um, a Kingmaker game. Well, sure, which was, because... Which, 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 which was kind of a hex crawl, and every month in the... Actually it was printed on the inside of the, of the, 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 uh, AP when you got it, and then the PDF to on, had a mission board that would just list little mini missions, like, this thing is missing, or this, and the players could go and kind of pick and choose which ones they were interested in, which often led to other story adventures they could then lead into. But it did a good job of giving them a whole selection of stuff that they could get into based on what that particular, uh, adventuring style was. If they wanted to do hack and slash, they go clear the goblins out of the cave. If they were interested in more drama, they could, you know, find this person's missing boyfriend and find out why why they disappeared and where and so on. Um I think yeah, that's kind so, really well.
0: So let's talk about this for a second. Yeah. <laughs> if you are doing a job based campaign, like you are a group of um Star Wars scoundrels. Right. Living on the fringes of the galaxy and doing very like undertaking various jobs to make more credits. You are actually playing a sandbox game right now. It's not a hex crawl because a hex crawl game, not to get overly technical here and with definitions, but a hex crawl game is one by which you are traversing some area of some area that you do not know one unit, in this case, a hex at a time and discovering what's in the hex. But another type of sandbox is one of these job-based campaigns where you have this list of uh, potential targets that you only know a little about at this moment, right? Like Mm -hmm. we know that like, you know, there's a prototype hyperdrive on this planet and we know that a group of huts are moving uh, a whole bunch of spice that we could take down and make way more money if we moved it ourselves. And, um, the Imperials are moving a whole bunch of, you know, Beskar from, you know, like steel from one place to another. That's a sandbox. Um, mm-hmm. you can go from any one of those uh job points to the next one. So you are actually running a sandbox style game uh when you do that. So um you want it like and that's why you like that's all right, so that's why it's really important going back to this tip. That's why you need to populate your sandbox with a few things so that you have choices
2: and if and if you need some help with that there's actually a company out there called a Million realms that just finished a kickstarter called the deck of rumors and all it is is it's multiple decks of cards that are basically jobs job job-based teams they had one that was uh let's see one that's gossip one that's rumors one that's quest all money invented town events a village deck an adventure deck, a sea deck, a big city deck. I know this because I just got, they fulfilled, and I got them all about a month ago. And nice. it's all just, it's all, it's very similar to what was in Pathfinder. It's, it's a rumor on the front that the players can read or a job. And then the back are some details that kind of give the GM some, some framework, but it's all system neutral. So you can run them in any campaign. Just Rumors in the to front, think about. party in the back. Exactly. But it's those kind of things that are, I'm sure there are, charts online and that if you're having trouble coming up with some of yourself or just want them to spur yourself on. Oh, absolutely. Like the, but these, these are, are useful tools to have if you're running a job-based campaign or if you just happen to have the player, so they want to start doing some jobs, you need something right here and there. So there's some good stuff out there. Nice. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah, Jerry, this one, this next one's you. Yep. In terms of pacing and um, pacing, scouting is going to basically come between the jobs. One job ends and the next job begins. Somewhere in that the players are gonna start scouting for some new leads along uh, with their backlog of leads. And this is also where you can do um you know, kind of encourage them to start looking for new things, drop some rumors and that into place. So restrict yeah. too,
0: Okay. I was gonna say, in um in Forge in the Dark games, right, this is the open phase.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? This is the phase before you pick the next um before you pick the next job that you're gonna take is like you have these open scenes where um, you can, you can get this kind of, um, scouting in place. Uh-huh. Cool. All right. So the next one is selection ideally should happen. Now, let me preface this. This will depend on game system and I'll get to that a little further down. Selection should generally happen at the end of a session or between sessions. Uh-huh. And the reason I say this is that this allows the GM to take advantage of the downtime between sessions to do any prep that they feel is necessary. Yeah. Okay. So if we just finished up a job and we fenced our, like we fenced our goods and I like hand you your credits. And then I say to you guys like, Hey, do you guys know what you want to do? Do you guys want, do you guys know what you want to do next session? And maybe you guys like take a half hour and have a quick discussion and be like, yeah, you know what? Um, We want to take down that spice run Mm -hmm. that's going on. And be like, cool, thanks. And then you guys all go home. And then the GM goes home and is like, all right, time for me to stat up, you know, some smugglers and come up with some things about like what's the twist for this gonna be. Yep. Now, this goes back to another point, and I we weren't clear about this earlier, so I'll be clear about it now. Your list of potential jobs can can just be that list. It it doesn't have to have any more information attached to it until the players choose to focus on it. Right. So it could just literally be you've heard rumors mm-hmm. that, you know, there's a spice run that goes on, you know, that, that's going on. That's going to take place next month. And then if the players want to invest a little more scouting into it, they can make some roles. You can give them a little more info, but you don't have to have that written out yep. um, because you'll just be wasting your time. If you write out all of these potential heists, you'll never get to all of them. Yep. Um, so it's better. It's way better to um, not have them filled out then use this downtime between sessions, like maybe play every two weeks. So now you use your downtime to like, you know, write up, write up what this um, job is going to be like. Um, if selection happens in the middle of the session, right? The GM's got to move you right into legwork um, yeah. and possibly without prep. Now, depending on how comfortable the GM is with that, um, what happens is, and again, this is really going to depend on GMs. GMs who are really good at ad-libbing um, especially who are really good at ad-libbing things like missions and jobs, um, will be able to ad-lib the legwork by giving out complications, yeah. come up with security things on the fly and stuff like that. A lot of GMs would prefer, like, I can do that if I had to, but my preference would be to just sit down and figure it out on a quiet Saturday afternoon and bring it to the players at the next session. Yeah. Right? Now, um, everything i just said is less of a uh, less of a deal if the game you're playing has mechanisms for managing legwork and for doing low prep jobs so yep. forged in the dark games do not yep. actually need to stick to that uh model yep, no. uh, i have run plenty of forged in the dark games where um you can do selection right in the middle of the game and jump right into the mission because that the game is absolutely designed for that mm-hmm. Um, and it does that great. But if you are playing something more traditional or is not set up for that kind of play, getting it to land in between sessions is a big help to your GM. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think like you should do that. But again, if you're playing a game that is actually built for that, and I, I, that was one of Harper's actual design considerations was not to belabor planning and not to have to do a whole bunch of prep when you go to do a job. Um, and have mechanics that kind of assist with that, right? Like the approach role, right? I love, I love, like, I love, like, we're going to do this kind of job, right? So it's going to need this kind of skill role. Let's see where we are. Like, how, how well does it start off? And let's just play through from there. Um, that's great. If you're playing that kind of game, ignore this tip. If you are playing something more traditional, again, try to get it to land between
2: sessions. Yeah. All right. Much like we said in the side missions, though. Make sure that when the players make a selection that they are clear on what the target and objective are. Um, and that you are as well. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense that since it's in the, it's their lead, they know, but just be sure, clarify the race. So you guys know what you want to do and what your objective is once you get that target. Um, so that you know what to prep and they know what they're going for. So it's as much less confusion later on. Uh,
0: yeah. Again, I mean, like so, like so many, um, so many problems arise when this is not clear. Uh, and just because you think like, well, in the mission, like when, when you give an a mission assignment and the players aren't listening, that's why it's not clear. Uh, trust me when five players are sitting around a table, trying to come up with the idea for the job, um, they <laughs> may not all come. They may not all reach the same conclusion about what the objective is.
2: Exactly. exactly. Right.
0: So get that clear. Um, okay. Next tip. Um, leads. Like your list of leads for potential jobs, um, you can do them and make them very concrete, or you can make them more abstract, like a player's wish list. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can do this like at a meta level, right? So like if you wanted to do it as very literal, like your players could have a list like, "We'd like to steal the eye of Paris," right? A jewel, not Tom Paris's eye. Um, Although, also might be interesting in. that would be a hell of a heist. Yeah, hell of Mm -hmm. a heist. Steal Tom Paris's eye. Um, you might want to steal the, you know, picture of lonely, you know, the artwork, lonely twilight. Um, and, or the tiger's hundred kilos of heroin, right? Like very concrete. Those are things the players know about. They're in the world that the players are in. Um, and they're very defined. The other way to do it is you could have the players basically have their leads, um, as an abstract wish list. We'd like to do an art heist. We'd like to steal something high tech. Mm-hmm. We'd like to steal something on a train. Yeah. Right. And then just during selection, indicate that mm-hmm. to the GM. And then the GM can go and prep that. So, like, yeah. maybe the players say at the end of the session, ah, you know what? Let's, let's do a train heist. Train yeah. heist sounds fun. Okay. And then the GM will be like, cool. I'm going to go home and get to work on that. Um, and then, you know, like, we'll open up with you, know, like, you getting the, um, the tip on what it is. Yeah.
1: And again, that okay. one's a, a case where you want to make sure you're absolutely clear with your players. Yeah. Because the GM <laughs> goes and to preps the a, I'm gonna, they're going to steal a train. Yeah. <laughs> and the players are coming in thinking they're going to steal something that's on a train.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good point. Very good point, Bob. Um, if yeah. you are doing the abstract one, it would be really good to have an example before you leave. Yeah. Like, Give me an example of what you're talking about. And then they might be like, oh, there's somebody on the train that's carrying a briefcase full of, you know, um, interesting documents. And then you can be like, cool, you want to steal something off of a train. And then you can go home and write up whatever it is. Like, you don't have to actually stick to what they want. But, yes, Bob, thank you. That is a great difference between a train heist and a train heist. (laughs) That
2: literally happened in a Deadlands campaign where I was playing and where the GM thought we were going to try to steal an item off of the train. And what we actually did is managed to get all the Confederate soldiers into the last car, and then steal the whole train and blow up the bridge with the with the, with the car on it.
1: Nice. So we
2: stole the train and everybody involved. Um It kept all the civilians alive, but we didn't steal the item. We stole the whole train, and uh it was a lot of fun. It kind of fit the fit the theme, but mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to do those kind of things. Make sure that you're. I mean, that's why I said, as a GM, make sure that you are clear what the objective and the target are as well, because players can be very creative in what they think the solution is going to be and that's part of the fun.
0: So. Now, all of that said, um all of that said if the initial idea is we're going to steal this item off the train and the players come out of their legwork with we're stealing the whole train, that's okay. Yep. Sure, yep. yeah. Yeah, that like that 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 is that's that's totally okay as well. They did, did what they stole the whole fucking train. I mean, one of my one of my favorite times, um, uh, Blue Europa, is a. Uh, we, I think we talked about it last. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we did. Right, yeah. we talked about Blue Europa. Um, I've run it a number of times. It is a heist. Um, it has been the chunk of blue ice has been heisted a number of ways. Uh, but you know, one group decided that like we're we're going to steal it right from the source, like as soon as it comes down from orbit, we're stealing it. And I was like. Well, that's not even anywhere in my notes. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> fantastic. Like, you know, let's roll. Um still legitimately it was still within the parameters of what the adventure was about, which yep. was stealing this chunk of uh blue water.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I just let it roll. Yep. I was yeah. like cool. Tell me like tell me how we get started with this heist. Um cool. yeah, very cool, very cool. Okay. Uh Jerry, tell me about fencing.
2: All right. Fencing should have- be pretty straightforward and uneventful. Much like uh, mission givers, they should not like or betray the group. Established fences should not uh, do that either. Mission givers should not betray the group. Fences that are established shouldn't betray the group either. Otherwise, the fence is going to be a much bigger deal. And the exception to this is if the players are outside their safety zone or using untrusted fences. For example, the player's theory of nuclear warhead that only Zarif the Little Maker can move it for them. So they have to move yeah. with somewhere they're not used to. Yeah. And, and in, in fact, an adventure itself. Yeah. And
0: sometimes that's a hint. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you're over your head. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're going to like, we like, let's steal a nuclear weapon. Cool. How are you going to, how are you going to fence that? Yeah. I don't know who fences nuclear weapons. Well, the widow maker does. Who's that? Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's this fence of, you know, he's this fence of questionable quality, but really he's the only guy who can move this. Yeah. um, That's a hint, right? Like, and it and it can be a complication, right? Mm-hmm. If you do it up front like that, like if I tell you up front that you're going to have to go through the Widowmaker first mm-hmm. of all, the name alone, right? Yeah. You have to go through the Widowmaker to to um to move this. Then you know, like this is an added complication to 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 your job. If you have your normal fence betray your characters, mm-hmm. like ah, thanks for the stuff. Screw you. Um, it's just like if the uh, mission giver screws you, right? Like Jerry's had this gate, like where you, then you're just going to have to kill your fence. Yeah. Yeah. If that's
1: a, if that's a one-time thing, you know, like maybe near the end of a campaign, you know, you've been working with this fence for like 25 sessions and then all of a sudden something happens and he screws you, you know, and you know, your, your, your last (laughs) job is figuring out why the fence screwed you tracking him down to, you know, something like that. That, that's, sure, you that's know, fine, but you gotta you gotta be careful with those kind of
0: things. Yeah. yeah, fence. Uh, I mean, listen, if if we're being realistic here, right? A fence does not want to have a reputation of being unreliable or backstabby. Yeah, right. A fence is a service, mm-hmm. and they want to be known for uh, ease of use, yep. reliability, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and quality. Yep. So it's in the fence's best interest to never screw you either. Yes um
2: and so, remember if this is a game where um players spend certain resources for things like a reliable contact or a good fence or something yeah. then that fence should never ever ever yep screw them over exactly. Players who spend resources to acquire something should never have it taken away from the gm by the yeah. gm like that
0: if you're spending your john wick gold coins yep for this fence right you like got it. that is that is set Yep. Like there is a code of conduct.
2: Yeah, really? Um,
0: So, yeah, like while interactions, like while fences should be reliable, they can definitely be fun role playing mm-hmm. opportunities. Yeah. Right. Make your fences. This is like an extra piece of um, a tip here. Make your fences as quirky, mm-hmm. as weird. Let them have hang ups. Um,
1: Give them the best you know, eyebrows they, in the business. What's that? Give them the best eyebrows in
0: the business. Yes.
2: Yeah. And they could, they could even, now that doesn't mean you can't have like, well, you know, high
0: end clientele. Yeah. <laughs> now boo. You
2: can't kind of have something like the fence thought they were going to get, you know, a million credits for this and now they can only get 500,000. That's okay. They're not screwing the players over. Just something else is happening that can, yeah. that can spur the players onto their next scouting job of, you know, we didn't get as much money as we thought, but the fence is still trying to do as much as they can kind of thing. That's I will not give, screwing the players over.
0: I will so. give a player tip though. A player tip is to avoid that confusion and getting mad at your fence. You should always meet with your fence before the job. Yep. <clears throat> like you should go have coffee with your fence and just yep. be like, Hey, we're, you know, we're looking to move this piece of artwork. What do you think you could get for it? Yep. Yep. Right. Like, cause you don't want to show up going, I got this piece of artwork. We want a million for it. And they're like, yeah, I'm only going to give you a half. For, yeah. I'm only giving you half. Yeah. Yep.
1: Now that being right said, that? Yep. if you're the rainmaker and you just got a complication on a roll, you can look at your GM and go, yeah, the fence isn't going to be able to move this for us. There's support Oh, left. yeah. You
0: know, <laughs> stick if yourself it's... with that. That's fine. <laughs> If the players (laughs) want to stick themselves with that, that's perfectly fine. Like don't do it as the GM because it's just that it's that same thing that like once players don't trust an NPC, they will double their planning to have like, cause now they can't just meet with the fence. They have to meet with the fence, but they also need to put up perimeter security mm-hmm. in case yep. the fence tries to screw them yep. right there. You need to be able to like gun down the fence. Like, like it gets super messy and complicated. And like, you really, your fence is a service mm-hmm. and it should be as, it should be as good as a service. Yep. Not like Redfoot.
2: What is Redfoot?
0: Now Bob knows that's, that's from, the, from usual the usual suspects. suspects. Oh yeah, okay. That guy, that guy betrays that, that guy betrays guy. them. First of all, he he first of all he gives them the job. Yeah, so well, it's a mission. He lies to them about what it is.
2: Yep.
0: And then he won't move the items yep. afterwards cuz he used it to get rid of a rival. Like he totally screwed over the party.
2: Yep.
0: Um and not a way, stable party to begin with.
2: Was the lonely twilight a, a, a game reference as well or was that just something you made up?
0: Uh no, I just made that up.
2: I don't know. It, it could be. It could be a thing. I, oh yeah. I wasn't it, sure. You you said it like it, you said it with such gravitas. I thought, oh, is that something we're supposed to know? Cool. Is oh, that you like you right? No, no. I was just
1: from uh, you know Jack Petrano.
2: No, yeah. See, now I see. Now now I want to steal the Lonely twilight down. So
0: yeah, right. No, no. I um, no, that's fine. I um, I just made that up. All right. Yeah, the Mister Johnson, right? Like I think we talked about ch- chromatic chameleons. Bring up Mister Johnson, and we talked about this um last week at mission based games, right? The Mister Johnson's um it's it's a shadow run trope i think it's a terrible shadow run trope um (laughs) because i get the idea that like oh you're you know you're this like you're this cog working outside the system and the you know the system like the corpse can screw you at any time even paying you on the job but the problem is um once you do that to players like and you rattle them like that like it's fun because you're like ha look i like there's a trope you didn't see coming They'll never not see it coming again, right? Well, like, I... <laughs> plus it's like Bob said, you may turn your game of jobs, oh, like completely like flip it over because now they're going to be like, well, it's time to go pay Mr. Johnson a visit in his office. Yep. Now we're really just right into the middle of, um, of the usual suspects, like yep. when they go and pay, um, Kobayashi a visit, yep. um, as his, as he's heading into the elevator.
2: I've I've only played Shadowrun a number of times. I've never actually run it. I always assumed from the way that they were always run that Mister Johnson was an unreliable contact that you never trusted his mission, that you always expected there was something they weren't telling you, and that the only thing keeping you from killing him was that they would send a hit squad to kill you afterwards.
0: Yeah, it's a I mean it's a trope, right? Like it's yeah. it's a trope where like you know you did all this hard work and now I'm going to screw you out of the reward. I hate it. A- yeah. Anytime I ran mission based Cyberpunk, whether it was Shadowrun Cyberpunk or whatever. Um, The only time that I made the Mr. Johnson unreliable, and I yeah. use Mr. only in the definition because it, it easily yeah. can be any gender. Yeah. But the only way I did that is if the entire mission, from the time you got it all yeah. the way through, you knew there was something wrong with this contact. Yeah. yeah. Like you like from the like it was foreshadowing. Like when you set up the job, you were like, we're taking this job but there's something seriously wrong with this person. <clears throat> Therefore, when they screw you at the end, you're like, see, we already knew you were terrible. We already planned for this, um, yeah. Yeah. which is cool. Cause that's competency porn. Yes. Right. So that's, um, but yeah, I don't like doing it where everything look like, on the job seems level. And then it's just like, ha ha, this is the trope. I'm not paying you for all this work. And now you're shot up. You're out of equipment. Yeah. Um, you can't move this item. And I screwed you out of money because that's the trope of the game. It's a shitty trope. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you do it once and never do it again. All right. Cool. cool. That, with that said, that's our overview of jobs. We're going to head over to the chat room and check in with them. Hello, Jason. Um. But first, Bob's going to tell us about another show on the Misdirector Mark Network.
1: Yeah. We've got this little show called Jangu Hustle. Train alongside fellow students Eric Farmer and Eli Kurtz in Jangu Hustle. Eric and Eli make their kung fu stronger by watching wuxia films, then discussing how to apply their observations to game design. They will occasionally do watch parties where they watch a film and, uh, and, and discuss it, uh, Twitter, uh, in their Twitter feeds and whatnot. Um, check it out. Good show. I think you'll find it entertaining and useful. So the chat room. Yeah. Chromatic chameleon also had an interesting thought, uh, a job campaign where the players are the fence. Yep, that's an interesting oh, idea. Yeah. <clears throat> you could do some interesting things with
2: that. I think mm-hmm. do a lot of fun stuff with that. Places that where would... the players have to fi- the players are going to have to find uh, sources. They're going to end up with stuff they don't want. There are going to be plots where somebody comes looking for something that they got. Um, maybe they end up with something that not, that they are mistaken on what they have. There's a whole bunch of options there. Oh, for What to do if the players are a fence?
0: I um. What's it called? I think it would also make a uh, pretty baller uh, card game. Like, mm-hmm. like you play, you play a fence and you've got like either a tableau of items that are out there that you're going to try okay. like to, to buy up and then move or, um, yeah, or so specifically you you're you recruiting a certain
1: amount of stuff before the, the heat comes down on you.
0: Yep. Exactly. Right. Uh... And then you're trying to like, you're trying to make money, but like based on either the like based on market fluctuations or uh oh, I know what it is. okay, so here it is on one hand of the on one side of the deck, you are building up your list of contacts, right? Yep. people who have both money and interests in like somebody has an interest in artwork, somebody has an interest in tech cars, whatever, and then mm-hmm. there's like a tableau of things that are being stolen, and yep. you're using your own resources to buy up those cards in hopes that you can then get out these contacts so that you can then. Um, put the cards down and collect your money and keep going.
1: Well, I know what I'm working on coming up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that seems like a fun, like that seems like a totally fun, um, fun way to do it. And then, you know, each of the contact cards are, um, you know, you've got like some pretty standard ones, right? Like these are just like some, you know, hardcore criminals. Like this criminal loves cars, like yep. he's always going to pay premium on a car. If you've got, you know, a stolen car to sell, um, you know, this, but then like, you have like some really eccentric ones, Mm -hmm. like they'll pay a ridiculous amount of money for like something. You just kind of like, wait, like you have them in your hand waiting for something like that to pop up on the, uh, you know, on the table, like Elvis's Cadillac pops up and you're like, oh, the car guy, yes, he would pay premium, but. I have, like, you know, the Elvis freak Mm -hmm. who will, like, buy, like, any memorabilia.
1: They get into a bidding war, which just drags everything out. And you're like, I got the heat coming down on me. I need one of you guys.
0: Well, that'd be even better if you had two two characters. If you had two characters that both had, like, a high rating in the same thing, Mm -hmm. then you get more money because they start a bidding war. You play one off the other out of your, like, out of your contacts. And you get more, like, you get more money for having... Two high-end car guys. Yep, I'm just like designing this thing as we're sitting here.
1: Uh, yeah, we are going to have some more <laughs> conversations about that. I love this idea. Yeah, we're sure. going to
2: talk about this afterwards.
0: All right, sure, that's fine. Yep. It's a sign that look, it's a sign that that it's a sign that the pandemic is slightly receding. That some amount of my game creativity things is things are returning back, to right?
1: normal. The swans are returning to Capistrano.
2: <laughs>
0: correct, correct. Like a slightly like Swallows. even after even after our session of. um uh, once more into the void, all of a sudden, like Sunday, that. I had like ideas for ditch, like digitally ditch yep. stuff. And I haven't done that in a year plus. <laughs> so, um, it's good. it's good. It's good. What else going on in the chat room?
1: <clears throat> um, what else we had, uh, Jared was talking about, um, an edge of the empire adventure, uh, called jewel of Yavin it has the PCs getting hired to steal a thing and each phase of the overall job you have an npc pointing them towards something but they can still address the phases with their own plans so mm-hmm. the pcs have the autonomy to do the stuff which is...
0: i mean that's mission technically mission based but obviously because we're talking to, you know we've we've been talking about the overlap here um you know between these two yeah it totally makes sense and, and really right so we we just talked about this before that we are splitting hairs between doing yeah. jobs and missions yeah. But it's really like where it comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Like, can you hear my graceful daughter stomping through the. Very,
1: very, very cool. faintly. I thought I heard something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I'm glad that my mic isn't picking that up. Like, she's not that big. And yet she like, I, I, she cannot sneak up on anything. <laughs> she is um, a zero in stealth. Oh, she's, no, no, she's like a minus two in stealth. Like, she will fail. And I don't mean minus two like D20. I mean, like, minus two in fate. She
1: rolls with disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jared also had a a Star Wars sandbox where the PCs were Inquisitors, an Imperial pilot, and an experimental droid. And they were sent Mm -hmm. into a sector to root out corruption, where some of the jobs were meant to tempt them to turn to the light side and join the Rebellion. But instead of taking jobs, the Hut Inquisitor found out who was bribing the local moth, got on their payroll, and then called it a day. <laughs> that's where the players can totally derail an idea. <laughs> yep. And you
0: can oh. still have fun with it. Yeah, it's um you know it's tough. I mean, like I, I I guess a few years ago I would have totally been into that idea of playing Imperial Inquisitors in, in an RPG, but like and, and that goes to the same way that I used to love running uh corporation. But uh if the last few years have done anything to me, um, particularly radicalized me. Like, I can't play games that support, like, where you're the, um, more fascist power structure. Yeah. Like, if the goal of the game is to convert, <clears throat> then I'm like, okay, I could play that. But if the, you know, but if, but if the, but if the, um, and since Jason's in the room, if the situation of the game is to go root out, um, imperial traitors and have them, like, you know, hauled off, imprisoned or killed, like, i i like i can't play like i I couldn't <laughs> run or play that at this point like yeah. i am not in a place where that is um i'm not in a place where that is any fun to me at all yeah right and and i and i for that i can just say like thanks 2020 yeah <laughs> like, like this yep oh yeah what? yeah in 2014 yeah 2014 i probably could have run that yeah um, i
1: probably would have played that in 2014
0: yeah sure Twenty fourteen I probably couldn't run. Twenty so basically look, forty five ruined that for me. <laughs> I, I I don't know how long it'll be till I think I could play like um bad guys or questionable characters again thanks to forty five. Like that is yeah. um I could probably yeah, I,
1: see my way to being a grey hat at some point depending on the game, but
0: I, I mean I could I think I could go with mercenary with Heart of Gold. Yeah. Like Jane. <laughs> like I think I could get down to like Jane, right? Like <laughs> I don't think I could get any worse. Um yeah, I don't know. I it's tough. That that like these last couple of years had a distinct effect on um what I'm comfortable what I'm comfortable playing. Yeah. Right. Like All I right. know I like I know if we're like I know when we go to play Twilight 2000, the new one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you guys have to be good. Yeah. Like. Of course. Yeah, like, I, we can't be playing like, well, we're here trapped in Poland, you know, let's set up our own, you know, warlord fiefdom. Like, <laughs> like, like, no, it's got to be like, well, we're trapped in Poland, we're setting up our own collective.
1: Yep, we're like, pretty oppressed.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I, oh, no. Yeah. All right. Cool, so cool.
1: We should run out. back into the second half of the segment which is where we do our roundtable to share our thoughts about job-based adventures and campaigns, starting with the
2: following question.
0: Sure, sure. What is your favorite thing about job-based adventures
2: or campaigns? Uh, I just like the idea that it's going to be a chance for the players to use multiple skills and approaches to problem solving. Pretty much the same thing I like about mission, that you're going to have something that is fairly unexpected, but players are going to be giving you some ideas, and they're going to be surprising you. And it's going to be a chance to jobs are always a chance to take this, the adventure away from whatever the standard adventure is for that week. The player's going to tell you what they want to do, and that's part of the fun of it. Um, you know, you're going to suddenly find out that they've all decided that this they want to steal this thing or they want to go to this place or they want to accomplish this goal, you know, and that's going to be something new um, that's new and fun for the GM. So that's what I like most. Is that job-based adventures? Give us a chance to try different adventures, different stories in life. So, alright, Bob? Cool.
1: For me, I think it's it's the it's that tension of wondering if the plan is gonna go off successfully or not. Uh whether or mm-hmm. not there's any complications on it. Like the planning itself, especially if it's if it's a game that doesn't um, mechanize the plan, like uh Forges in the dark, if you gotta sit and just make up the plan yourself, those are kind of a schlag. But but once you have the plan and you're ready to execute, you get that mm-hmm. tension and that excitement building up like, you know, okay, is this going to work? Are we going to make it through this? Are we going to get the objective? And then when the twist happens, you know, it ramps everything up. And that's the part that I enjoy about those. There we
2: go. hmm
1: What about you, Phil?
0: Uh, you know, for me, I really love um, – the thing I love about Jobs is putting um, the scouting and selection into the player's hands. Um I really like, I like, I like that sandbox feel, right? So I like having a group, uh, that is, uh, looking at a field of potential targets and deciding what job, uh, they want to do. Um, and what I really like about it is I like the challenge that it presents me because I'm not setting up one job after another right like if we're doing a mission-based thing like i know that you know we're going to do this mission then we're doing this mission then we're doing this mission mission, because i'm just going to give them to you yeah when we're doing a job like if we do it the way we were talking about with the um with the advice and again we're not playing like a forge and dark game where we can do selection right in the middle of a game but we're doing selection at the end you know we get to the end of a session and i'm like cool um what do you guys want to do next week And you're like train heist. And I wasn't even like remotely thinking we were going to do train heist. So now I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like I got some work to do um, because I like that. I like that challenge. Like Mm -hmm. now I need like, I, you know, it's a creative constraint, right? I need to now go plan a heist, but I need to go put it on a train. Yep. And then like, you know, and then everything I have to do about that is like, okay, cool. Well, how do I do security on a train? Right. Mm -hmm. How do I, what's my twist going to be on the train? Um, you know, all of those things, like I gotta go, like I gotta work through all of those things in the, in, you know, in between sessions. And to me, that's like hellishly fun. Yeah. Um, for me, because a lot of what I get in my enjoyment out of GMing is being surprised by my players. So, uh, job-based games give me that chance to have no idea what they're going to pick and then have to go and deal with it.
1: Yeah. You get a, a completely different set of parameters by which you have to, dis- uh, uh, decide what kind of. Um, of complications you're going to throw in their way. And, and that makes it very greatly. Um, but it gives you that, it gives you, like you said, the creative constraint. You're not, it's not the whole world. It's that little chunk. And you're like, Ooh, now I got to design inside this box. Oh, how right. I, how can I, make and that's,
0: and that's why I like those really abstract ones. Like if, it, so, you know, we don't need to name all the things. Like yeah. if you just like, the players can wish list them, yeah. right? Like, I totally want to do, you know, like oh, we want to rob a plane while it's in the sky. Yeah. Well, holy shit. Like okay, yeah. like cool cuz that's got its own whole set of issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are you getting on the plane? Yeah. How are you getting weapons on the plane? How are you getting off the plane, right? Like um like that's great. Yeah. And for me that's like a huge challenge cuz I like like I like designing um missions and jobs. So for me being challenged with a weird setting or an object or whatever is um, that gets the like that for me gets yeah. the creative juices going.
1: And from mm-hmm. the flip side perspective of that, I like the at the abstract stuff too, because then there's still some uh, amount of surprise for the player side as well. We are like, we want to do an art heist. Okay. That's great. An art heist could be steal this painting off the wall in this museum or from this person's private collection, or right. it could be like, this rich dude with a shit ton of money knows you guys will do anything. Steal the statue of david
0: right exactly right uh, like, ooh, yeah. what, what just like, happened
2: here? <laughs> art
0: heist winds up with a really yeah. large yeah like and that's you know, which is fantastic because how you steal a painting off the wall versus how you steal like a one ton statue yeah um is a and how you move it like. All of those things. Like, yeah, exactly. So that's actually like, and then, and then for me as a GM, that's a really cool interplay because you guys said art heist. Then I come back with cool. I want you to steal the code of Hammurabi from the, from the Louvre. Right. Like, by the way, if you are, Uh, um, if you are a old school civilization player, then you remember the code of Hammurabi (laughs) from the original Civ game. um, It's, there's a copy of it in the Louvre and it is a big, um, it is a big, um, piece of stone with it all carved into it. By the way, if you did play old school Civ, the Code of Hammurabi is what lets you have laws. Oh, like, well. Um, you have to, you have to find that wonder. But anyway, if you have to steal the Code of Hammurabi, which is again, the Statue of David problem. Yeah. Um, now so you gave me the art heist. I come back with code of Hammurabi. You're like, Holy shit, we got to steal this thing. Now you guys start working on your plan and I'm sitting, listening to it going, okay, cool, cool, cool. Right. And then I'm totally surprised. Like, Oh, that's how you're going to steal it. Right. Like, you know, and so it's, it, it becomes this really fun, um, back and forth of kind of surprising each other. Mm-hmm. And that I just like, I love that. Yeah. Um, in fact, you just did it to me. Um, not as a uh, not necessarily as a job, but you did it to me on Sunday. I totally thought the um, encounter that we were going to have uh, in Forbidden Lands was going to be a bloodbath, and instead, you negotiated your way out of it. You,
2: <laughs>
1: the bloodthirsty dwarf with the with the killer axe, was like, "No, no,
0: you can go." Yeah, I was like, "What now?" Oh, we're not, okay, we're, we're doing. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're we're going to do this? I was like, okay, we'll talk about that in the We'll talk about yeah. that when we get down to the um, community corner. But I, again, yeah. so much of my GMing is about wanting to be surprised. So for me, for me, that's really where um, jobs are exciting. Yes. All right. So that should bring us to question two.
2: Are there any challenges to running or playing a job-based adventures or campaigns?
1: For me, uh, it, it would be burning out on the sameness because when you have this kind of campaign, plan job, execute job, deal with the heat, downtime, repeat, you run the risk of it starting to become stale. Even though the stuff that you're doing is different each time, there turn there's a sameness that starts to to get in there, and it and it can it can become a grind. That's why you need good role-playing mixed in with it. You need some different types of twists that, you know, complications that that have you having to think outside the box for creative answers. You know, the, the whole the whole lather, rinse, repeat thing could potentially get stale. And uh, luckily in, this, in the games that I've played, um, we've had really good players and really good GMs that, that kept it fresh and a lot of good a lot of good stories going on so the 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 grind didn't set in but i think it's it's potential it's there
0: yeah i think i think if especially if you're playing a forge in the dark game if you are underplaying that that open scene like that open piece at the beginning and you are just kind of constantly pushing for um jobs and just playing you know the job the um i don't even remember all the terms now you know you're playing the job the heat the aftermath you know Mm -hmm. like your downtime and all of that Mm -hmm. like i think that's good but it's the open section that that first section um where you can like you can do the all the different things have you know subplots have interactions like have you know interactions with npcs um bring up drama relationships things like that forge in the dark games when you get into the job part are a little more mechanized um they're still pretty free form, right? Like, I mean, they're, they're, they're not, they're not, um, on rails by any stretch of the imagination, but there are specific mechanics for how one starts the job and what you can do during it and all. And then when you come out of it, your downtime stuff, like heat and downtime stuff is a lot more, um, rigid. So it's that first part that like, really, you got to inject some, like inject something interesting into, at least that's my take. That's been my take for running them. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, question oh is it me it's you my biggest challenge um gming job-based games is chasing the curve um which i believe we did a few uh episodes ago um really it's about for me it's making each job interesting without ridiculously escalating the challenges Mm -hmm. like and this was hard when we played um when we played our heist game in d20 modern this was tricky because D20 modern is a level progression game. Yep. So you progressively get better. And so DCs had to go up and yep. more combatants had to go in. Um, whereas something that's a little harder to move up uh, in numbers like fate, mm-hmm. it could have done a much better job of keeping that um, more level. Um, but yeah, chasing the curve, um, which is also like, you know, you we talked about this like again in a whole episode, but like if you're, you know, if you keep trying to outdo yourself with each heist location after like a couple of heists, it's going to get really weird. You end up with the fast and the furious. Yeah. Which is fine <laughs> exactly. for the fast and furious, yeah. right? Like, but like at some point you're like on a space shuttle, like trying yeah. to steal like part of a like satellite. And I don't know what you do after that. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know like what's next. We're going to steal the moon. Mm-hmm. If one of the things that leverage was really good at was that, None of the like the curve was pretty level on what they were going like mm-hmm. what they stole was different, but the amount of opposition and stuff pretty much stayed the same.
2: I'm yeah. sorry. Now, now that you talk about, you know, what are we going to steal next? I, I thought we like, said we're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Now I want to steal see a National Treasure Fast and the Furious mashup. Oh my god! I've been, I've been jonesing
1: for a third National Treasure movie for so long. We're not going to get it. But... I've never seen the second one. Second one's fun. It's not as good as the first oh. one, I think, but the the Scuttlebutt is. And the, the, sorry to diverge, but it's no, Ken I don't going with the Scuttlebutt is. We're getting a National Treasure Disney Plus series. Yep, and that I'm all in for. It won't be. It oh. won't be uh, uh, Nicolas Cage. It'll be a whole new cast because I'm, well, I'm sure they want to go with somebody younger and.
0: At this he, point, Nicholas Cage will do
2: anything for money. So. Yeah.
0: At this point, Disney Plus can do. Uh, the, Disney Plus has earned enough credit with me. Yeah. Like, yeah. just throw it out there. I'll, yeah. Throw yeah. it out there. I'm, I'll take a look. Yeah, let's see what you got.
2: I, I wouldn't discount the fact that Nicholas Cage will show up because Nicholas Cage still needs money, so uh, he might. They might be able to convince him to come on to one of those things. You know, you
0: know we'll seen. work. We'll work for money. Like that's yes. a.
2: Yeah. All right,
1: Jerry. Finish up question two for us.
2: All right, my big my big challenge is trying to keep everybody involved. Um, in storytelling games, it's a little easier. Um, in games that are more traditional or mechanical, there are some characters that are just designed well for job-based games and some that are um, less skilled for your standard jobs but still usable. And the trick is trying to keep them all involved. Um, in games where characters are basically one-trick ponies, um, you have to remember to keep finding ways to, to let them use their one trick unless you've got good role players. Obviously, as always, the exception is you've got to have some players that can just make anything into something. But in traditional games, especially if you're doing a con game, make sure that everybody can be involved in the job itself. And that's not always easy to do, especially if you've got um, <coughs> jobs that one or two players at the table are always coming up with the jobs. You might have to make sure to drag the other players into it a little bit more actively, um, because it's not their job all the time. So... But there are yeah, good ways to
0: do that. And I'll say this, right? So if you're doing this as a con game, um you have a, you have control of a few things. One, if you're doing this as a con game, my recommendation right. is do a mission not a job, right? Have a have a benefactor hire the characters to go steal this thing um up front because um that just streamlines getting into it, right? Like it just takes away the like it takes away the selection piece which in a con game, you want to get rid of because you want to get them like into the action. And two, uh, if it's a con game and you're making pregens, well, then you've made pregens that can handle, um, like you make sure that your, your job has something for every pregen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you're
1: putting in the effort to do pregens for a con game for something like yeah. this, you could put in a little more effort if you, if you felt like it of and course. come up with, say, three selections that mm-hmm. you have enough planning for, and that all three, you know, the characters are capable sure. of, of being, of being uh spotlighted in each one. And then they still get the illusion of, well, they don't, it's not an illusion. They still get the choice. It's not an illusion, permission. it's a choice. It's a real yeah. choice, but it, it, you know, it still gives yeah. you that.
0: A you know, and maybe next year, Maybe next year we'll do a whole uh we'll do a whole thing again about um writing writing adventures for cons and stuff like yep. that. I feel like it won't be as necessary this year, but yeah, like maybe so next year cons, we'll yeah.
2: mm-hmm. oh, and, and also again playing this. Part of this also comes on to playing it when you end up in a campaign where some characters are more fit to be adventure than others this isn't in a con game. It's easier in a campaign where you can change your characters more. So, yeah. But anyway, that that's the the challenge, is making sure that it's that you keep everybody involved. <laughs> and you know, that's kind of the rule for all kinds of games, but in in uh jobs it's it's even more importantly because they might not be the same standard kind of game that players came to the table for
0: okay yeah and i think this is where like niche um you know like if you're doing a job game this is where things like i think the terminology from uh leverage is great right like Mm -hmm. hacker hitter grifter mastermind right like do you have these things filled in your game Mm -hmm. like in some form right um and then you know do you have backups like you know Who's who's the secondary hitter? Who's yep. the, you know, that kind of thing.
1: And in the new show with the rebooted Leverage, they have a new, they have a new. Wait till we get to the conversation yeah. corner.
0: I'm talking about it. Oh my <laughs> okay. god, it
1: was so good. All right, so let's hit question. Th- question. Eh. Let's hit question eh. three. <laughs> what is your secret sauce when running job-based adventures or campaigns?
2: Height mechanic. I talked about them last week. I'm going to follow back on these again. Um, I like the heist mechanics that I've pulled out of a couple different games. Uh, I've said before, I think that the, uh, Savage Link Bar has a really good one where you, once the players decide what they're going to do, you give them five minutes to come up with their plan or whatever amount of time you want to do. Um, then you have them role play their scouting part of it. When they role play their scouting part of it, you have them make skill tests or rolls or whatever it is, draw cards. And for every sec- success and extra success, they get a heist boning, uh, uh, token. And then once the game starts, once they start pulling off their job, you let them spend those tokens to get rerolls or to get narrative control or do a flashback, whatever. But it gives them a chance to make that job become again like a heist or whatever it's going to be. It does. It could be a robbery, a prison break, uh, stealing water from an airship, trying to you know get away with with a new starship, whatever you like. I like the heist mechanics. Um, I think they work really well, and because the players can choose whatever skill they want and then narrate how they're going to use that to get information, that again drags the players back in. And even if it's a game that doesn't have skills, you can still do that by just having the players make some roles off of whatever they think is best. And it'll tend to push the players into a lot of fun role-playing encounters, followed by some really fun mechanical uh, effects that let them taking out of control get to move that heist so it feels more like an Ocean's Eleven, or a Leverage, or, um, any one of the numerous, uh, I can't remember what one was last year with the, uh, Tatum that was the, the redneck heist movie, but all those kind of things that are a lot of fun. Um, which, by the way, Phil, if you still haven't seen the one with Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, and, uh, James Bond, I can't remember his name. Uh, oh, I haven't. Yeah. Yet,
0: Craig. I haven't. Oh,
2: yet. Yet. oh that movie, that movie's Chen it, Craig. It's a, it, 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 once it gets rolling, it's a great heist movie. You'll enjoy it. So, do a yeah, party. I think it's on Netflix. Alright, so that's my thing. Phil, what's your secret
0: sauce? Uh, The object. I love coming up with really interesting things to steal. The weirder, the better. Um, I just, like, for me, um, for me, it can never just be, like, a piece of art. Like, I will go out of my way to come up with something uh, interesting. Like, uh, And not that this one was a job, this one was more of a heist, or more of a mission, but um, for that sprawl game, like, the most expensive bottle of whiskey. Right, being kept in an orbital that was shuttled down to Earth, you know, to be to be uh, sipped during celebrations. Um, Elvis's car, Elvis's Cadillac, was once a um, uh, an object for a heist. I think in our um, in the reboot of our heist, not a reboot, we had a a one shot heist game. Uh Elvis's Cadillac was that was our heist Uh,
1: one last job game.
0: Yes, that's cool. Um, A chunk of blue ice, right? Like that's a you know, like chunk of blue ice is a, a huge pain in the ass to steal. Um, yeah. It's big. It's ice. It's going to one. It's going to melt. And two, it's big and heavy. In fact, if I remember correctly, um in my notes for Blue Europa, I actually did the extra legwork and figured out how much that chunk of ice weighed. Because players get really quick on like, well, we can just grab it. And I'm like, by the way. This chunk of ice weighs like 1.2 tons, mm-hmm. right? Which changes the dynamics of how yeah. you steal something like that big. Um, mm-hmm. but I like those things, right? I like, I like coming up with interesting and weird items. Um, I, I kind of love when players look and they're like, what the fuck? Like that's like, we're stealing that. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, mm hmm, you know, just like smugly, like, you know, very proud of myself that I yep. come up with something weird. Yeah, that's for me, that's fun. I like um, um, stealing money's boring. Um, stealing other people's drugs is only fun if, you know, those people are going to come after you. So um, if we're just going to steal objects, like, I want it to be a little weird. That guy's eyeball.
1: What's that? That guy's eyeball.
0: Yeah, yes. I'm going to need that guy's eye. <laughs> oh, I'm totally
1: getting that arm.
0: <laughs> I, somebody did a meme where... Um, and from um oh you know what i can't it'll spoil mm-hmm. it'll spoil the currents let's just say there's a meme where rocket discovers something yep yeah and gets super yep. excited yep <laughs> you're good you're with me all right
2: i think we're done with that question i we think are. we are as well so that was our discussion about job-based adventures
0: yeah we hope next time you're running jobs um that this vi- advice will be of some help
1: we're now going to check in with the chat room one more time before we head off to the conversation corner. Yeah, we had an amusing exchange when you mentioned Hammurabi. Um, uh, Andy, I believe, um, spelled it uh, hammer, H-A-M-M-E-R, and then corrected it to, nope, wait, H-A-M-M-U-R. And I said, yeah, Hammurabi, that's a totally, that's that's like MC Hammer, where you try to yeah, go the to steal that. the
0: code of... The Code of Hammer, Robbie. The Code is, of Hammer, uh, the, the, Robbie.
1: You try to steal it, and he pops out and goes, can't touch this.
0: I got to okay. tell you, the I Code of you. Hammer, Robbie could have been an album in 1989.
2: Yes. It could yeah. <laughs> MC Hammer, Robbie is going to have to be a character now. Yes. I got to tell
0: you, like, look, I know, like, I my 80s self was, like, a little, like, oh, this MC Hammer guy. But over time, like, I love those songs. like. Oh, yeah. Those songs aged very well for me. Um, just like how Mbop from Hanson winds up being less annoying as I'm older
1: than I when it first came out. never found it annoying.
2: Yeah. It, I was it, impressed because they were on some, I can't remember what show they were on. They were on some talk show. And the three of them came out. And the one kid had the guitar. The other two just stood there. And they did the entire song using just a guitar and their bodies to play all the instruments. Oh, yeah. And I was like, "Okay, they're super talented. talented." Yeah, it's a catchy song. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got to say, I, 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 as I've gotten older, um, both um, "Ice Ice Baby" and "Ninja Rap" have both grown on me way too much.
0: Dude, I so, love. All right, so look once again, right? So I scoffed at this when I was in yep. when I was in college, but "Ice Ice Baby" as a like now in nostalgic purposes, mm-hmm. I, I like I. I'm fine. I like that song. It's, it's catchy.
1: There's there's no yeah. there's no
0: question about it's it. Catchy it's catchy and liable. I can and I can recite more of it than yeah. I yeah. like <laughs> yeah. I clearly I clearly retained more of it from the 90s than
2: I thought I did. Yeah. And 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 I got to say unlike most musicians he actually went out and bought the rights to sample under pressure for that song from Queen. Uh, yeah. no, no.
0: He got sued and went out and bought the rights. Yes. His his yes. lawsuit his lawsuit yeah. was um his lawsuit helped um, establish some of the um, which, some which of would, the current laws about sampling. Yeah. yeah,
2: I would, I would, I would, I would love to see sampling go away entirely. I really would. No, oh, I'm all music. right. I'm all right with sampling. I think. I,
0: it, I mean, it needs it needs you know it needs a certain amount of
2: they should, well. Or, or, if you're gonna sample, and, or if you're going to sample, or if you're going to sample, you should have to pay the artists a heap load of money for that because they still don't. But I nothing more annoying than when I go like, oh, I like this song. Oh crap, it's Kid Rock. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Well, I mean, oh, crap, (laughs) it's Kid
0: Rock is definitely a
2: problem. Well, yeah. But
0: uh, yeah. You uh, you talk about 90s disappointments. Yes. I'm I'm very unhappy. Not I mean, there were a number of Kid Rock songs I liked that now I'm just like, well, this is all in the garbage. Like, yeah, we're all done
1: here. All right, yeah. as we're straying over that line into the yeah, political take arena us to thing, the other place. We're, where we We're can gonna this. jump on over into the conversation <laughs> corner with a little bit of this. Now I heard that fine. Yeah, and you heard the you heard the other one, the definition. I did.
0: One. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like yeah, sometimes, so sometimes if you talk and the and the audio is going, it picks you over the audio. And for whatever reason, like I just didn't like something either picked up your mic or whatever. I just did not hear it. And I was like, I I didn't
2: either. And you didn't give
0: me and you didn't really give me a hard cue in. Yeah, I was a little
1: lost. I'll be better next time.
0: That's okay. The backup is just the hard cue to tell me to go because I can just make it up. I can make it up. I know what it sounds like.
1: All right. So conversation corner. So um, I mentioned earlier I had to I had to add this in because this is I think it's funny. But I added earlier that they, the NFL did a thing with, uh, with Star Wars where they've got merch now. And on Good Morning Football, they had everybody got to pick, a, a team that they wanted the shirt for. And, uh, the one guy picked, uh, the, the New York Jets, but with the, with the, the Empire stuff on it because he thinks the Jets are going to be people's nightmares to see, like whatever. But they did a bit on that show, on that episode where they said now because the draft was just, was just done for the NFL. It said, if you were drafting right now any Star Wars character, like, who would you pick number one overall? And honestly, I don't remember who went number one overall, but number two overall was Chewbacca. And when, when Nate Burleson was talking about why he would want to pick Chewbacca, he finished with, and obviously, he's got a great shot at being Wookiee of the Year.
0: Wah, 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 wah. That's great. That's great. Like, oh, That's some jokes. serious dad joke quality right there. <laughs> That's good.
1: All yep. they needed was the horn and the banner. Wah, wah. Yeah.
2: Uh I'll let Phil talk Good about this that. one
1: more, but we did play we played once more into the void. Um mm-hmm. and that um that is an interesting game that we are we are having some fun with. The 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 bits that we put together and the, the characters that we came up with and the story we're telling. Very interesting stuff, having fun with it and looking forward to where we go with the rest of it and see, you know, how it turns out. Um, interesting game, a lot of fun. Uh, I like the concept a lot. It's a very Mm -hmm. clever, uh, a clever thing. Yeah. Um, I am, cough, cough, as of this afternoon, I am on the hook to Marvel United's Kickstarter for the X-Men version for a large quantity of money.
2: Is that the, is that the the tabletop game?
1: That's the tabletop, uh, board game with all the miniatures. Okay. Um, yeah, the first one, the first game that they came out with had a shit ton of characters and a lot of expansions and all that stuff. And I, I put, I want to say it was like 280 bucks into it. Um, oh, this one,
2: oh.
1: um, it's, it's larger than that.
0: But oh boy, goodness.
1: All the stuff that they came out with, it's like, Oh, I want that. Oh, I want that expansion. Oh, I want, I'm like, I should just buy the whole fucking thing and be yep. done with it. I've got the disposable income right now. I'm like, uh, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I'm like, that's just so, yeah, that's um, but they're coming out with a Fantastic Four expansion inside the X-Men version of the game. So I was like, oh, I got to have that. Um, and the sculpts, the sculpts for the for for the Human Torch is awesome. It's all molded out of yellowy orange plastic. that. Uh, anyhow, so that was mm-hmm. the thing. Um, the Bad Batch dropped today because it's May the 4th. Um, Dave Filoni should be allowed to do whatever he wants with the Star Wars universe. Just let him go. Say, Dave, mm-hmm. go, do your thing, because Dave Filoni's killing it. Um, it's great. Um, yeah. 75 minute first episode, 16 episode first season, and they come out of the gate hot, and, and it doesn't go where you think it's gonna go. No! There's, there's no, a character it in not. it that you didn't expect to see, which I hope we see more of, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, good stuff. Highly recommended if you're a if you're a Clone Wars fan, if you like the the, the Bad Batch from those episodes. Oh, and the Bad Batch. Ugh. I told myself years ago I don't need no damn Funko Pops. I'm not really fond of the Funko Pop design with the big heads. <laughs> then they come out with a ten inch Godzilla Funko Pop and I'm like, Ooh, that looks cool. So I ordered it. So my first Funko Pop is still on its way. It got pushed back from April to June or July, which I'm pissed mm-hmm. about. I want it.
0: So let me ask, let me ask you, is there a, um, I did not watch all of, I did not watch rebels and I haven't, and I, you know, watched clone wars, like when it first came out and did not watch all the way through it. Can I just jump into the bad batch or am I just like, am I out? You can jump in. Uh, If you want to, if you want to have
1: a little bit more going in, you can watch like less than a handful of episodes that highlights the bad batch from clone wars.
2: and, And it's probably worth watching the last What is it, the, is it the first, the first couple episodes or the last couple episodes, the first couple episodes of season eight? But you don't, all, all you really need to know about the bad batch is that there are a bunch of clones who, um, basically mutated badly. And so each of them is a little different.
1: Yeah. You know, I know the, I know the premise of it. Yeah. I'm just,
2: yeah. And and that's, that's everything else you need to know. Like, Hey, this character is mad at us because of what we did on this mission where we did X. I mean, they, they, they do a really good job of, of not gatekeeping. Like, a character comes in, it's important, and with with one or two exceptions. But they anything that you need to know is there. There's yeah. a few, like, ooh, I know that cool thing, but it's not going to have an effect on the rest of the story. Yeah. But everything else is going to be, um, you know, oh, this character is here, and they're important because of X, Y, and Z. They yeah. actually spell it right out for you, for people that are just jumping in today. So yeah. it's really good. Yeah, is
0: saying said, I should just... Uh, looks like season seven, episodes one through four.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: and that okay. what, what that'll do for you is it'll give you the 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 full experience of of those characters and maybe get you liking one character more than another or you know give you mm-hmm. like a favorite or something like that going into the series. But but yeah, you can just pick up the series without having seen the Clone Wars at all and you'll be fine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that was good. And then uh, of course, uh, recovering from another instance in Valheim of let's do something stupid. <laughs> um, where we ended up getting killed and now we have no gear to go and rescue it, it like sometimes when you get killed in van valheim you can just in your loincloth you run out of wherever you respawn you run up the coast or whatever to the the little totem that it builds with all your gear in it you have a death totem and you just run up to it and you say give me all my stuff back and then you gear up and hopefully you have time to put your armor on before something comes and tries to kill you yeah. but in this case we are in a position where we can't just walk over. We're like across a small body of water. Um, yeah. And you have to have enough stamina to be able to swim it, uh, which we won't with no gear and no food and everything like that. And that means that we have to have the equipment to build a boat to get over there. And like it adds yeah. a whole level of complexity. So yeah. uh, <laughs> So I've been uh, um, taking some time because um, I had the opportunity to be in the game uh, before they did again and I've been taking the opportunity to go and gather resources so that we can at least have something to fill our bellies and defend ourselves should we run into something on the way <laughs> and have enough to build a raft to go over and try and get our corpses back. But, yeah. Yeah, because we, we, we did something dumb.
2: <laughs> What's amazing is building a raft is so easy, and we had the resources to build a raft instead of... We could have just built a raft and done that, but we decided to try something stupid. Yeah. Be- because we do.
1: Yeah. All right, Jerry, what about you?
2: Um, all my other RPGs got canceled this week, so the only one I played this week was Once More Into the Void. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed playing I really think that the, the without going into amazing my detail, I liked the character introductions. I liked the character archetypes and frameworks. I like how you build your characters. I like how the character generation is kind of cooperative. And I like the game we played so far. I really enjoyed all of it, and I'm really having a good time with it. Um, this week, I was just, for some reason, I was burnt out of Voyager. I did not watch a single episode before this week's Watch Party um the nevers on hbo is still going strong coupling is still fun um like i said last week i got to to teach and it was a lot of fun it was normally when i teach this week-long class for the state um i have time stamps on all of my uh notes so i know where i'm supposed to be every day and generally days one and two are long and floggy and it's not unusual for me to be behind by half an hour on day one and by an hour or so on day two because People ask questions, you need to give more examples, that sort of thing. Um, I was ahead of schedule every day this week, and it was, uh, last week it was a lot of fun, but it was, it was odd to be like, I have to teach until 12.30 because I have to have a certain number of hours. And by Friday at like 9.30, I was like, we could be done now unless I find a way to stretch this out. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and then lastly, Valheim, um, Bob was stupid and died. I was stupid twice. <laughs> and I'm beginning to see what the, what the factor is. Because, uh, I'll be hanging out with, with Chris online really, like, we should try doing that. That might be stupid. Um, yeah, it probably is stupid. We should do it anyway. And we died. Uh, we died the first time and then we had to get Bob and Bob acted as overwatch while we went out and got our bodies back. And then we were stupid a second time and died. <laughs> because we did something, we literally stood and said, that looks like it's too far to swim. Yeah, we're probably gonna die if we try it. Alright, let's do it. <laughs> It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a great group-oriented game. Um, and, uh, and it gave us a chance to try something new, which is, uh, we'll kind of start over from scratch with all of our skills, which is kind of interesting. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm enjoying Valheim. I'm looking forward to playing it again. And I really like the camaraderie and teamwork that goes into it. So that was me. Phil? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't play any
0: Minecraft this past week. I'm not sure why. Like, I just, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. Um so I didn't um I didn't play it. I, I I probably should, but I didn't. So there's that. Um the new Leverage Reloaded trailer dropped. Um it's amazing if you're a fan of Leverage and I was a huge fan of Leverage. Um it's great. You should go look it up on YouTube. Uh it looks absolutely fantastic. Most of the cast, except for one, um, comes back. And, uh, the replacement, they add two new people to the cast. And, um, one, I love that they created two new roles, the fixer and the maker, which mm-hmm. I think are fantastic. Yep. Um, the people that are playing them, I absolutely love. Um, they have, uh, they're going to have a actress play Hardison's sister, which yep. I think is great. Younger sister. She's the maker. Uh, and Noah Wiley from ER. Yeah. Uh, and the librarians, right? I think yep. he was the, no, but Noah Wiley, most known for being, uh, uh, Dr. Carter on ER is, uh, is going to play the fixer. And I love Noah Wiley. So, um, I was, I was very excited to see, yeah. um, to see him, but then the, to see, um, Sophie, um, and Hardison and Parker and, um, well, I can't remember his name, the hitter. Oh, um, God. Elliot. 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 Um, just to see them all again. Uh, like, and the interaction. Yep. Uh, like, this was a no-brainer for me. I I love that show to begin with, and if they're just gonna make new ones, yeah. um, with the same premise, I'm like, I'm right back in. Like, yeah. that's a like right back in, right where I left off.
2: Um, I, another one, I which Bob, I, oh, go ahead. Just out of, out of, we were we were on uh, the chat room. We're, tr- were joking about my count about coupling. The character who plays Sophie is one of the main is is, is like the lead character for. A couple of them as well, oh, she's personally. fantastic. Yeah, yeah development is hilarious. So go ahead, um, back
0: to your thing. Yeah, um a couple of announcements a couple of I mean a couple, a couple of whole lot of announcements coming out of Marvel this week um that were uh exciting. Um the two that I'll highlight is uh Wakanda Forever. Yep. yep. Which will be uh the title for Black Panther two, which mm-hmm. I'm very excited about because the more they show Wakanda, I think just the more exciting Yeah, that is. Um it was one of my favorite parts of original Black Panther was seeing um was actually seeing Wakanda. Yeah, um cool. so I'm definitely down for that. Uh and the other one which I just thought was fantastic as well um is Captain Marvel 2 uh the Marvels. Yep. yep. And uh it's going to encompass um Carol Danvers.
2: Yeah.
0: Um Monica Rambeau as Photon. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um Ms Marvel. Mhm. Hmm kamala khan right like i, I and yeah. and also this week we saw kamala khan in her uh costume yeah because they had mm-hmm. stills from the um they had stills from the show yep. yeah from her show and and now they're all going to be in the movie together um <clears throat> and i am just i am all about this yep. like yeah i i loved um i loved um photon in yeah. wandavision and was um hopeful we would, I was, I, I was, I was pretty sure we'd see her again in the MCU, but I'm even more excited that she's like folded right in for Captain Marvel too. That's fantastic. Um And I just, I love the whole idea of it, right? Yep. They've all had the name. Um I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't even really need to know much more. I'm in like, yep. you could show me trailers, but at this point it's like, you're only just, you're just previewing the movie for me. Yep. You're not selling me. Sold. I was sold when I saw the logo.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing about that
1: announcement, that announcement of those two titles came at the end of a clip that was narrated by Stan Lee. Oh, that clip. Oh, yeah. So good. So good. So good. Yeah.
0: The clip is fantastic. I guess.
2: First look at the Eternals.
0: Yeah. First look at the Eternals. I'm actually going to go. There's an, there was another run of the Eternals that just popped up in Marvel unlimited. The Eternals is a like I went back and read like I don't know ten or fifteen issues of the original Eternals like from I what was late like the early seventies or something. Some
1: wacky shit. Mm -hmm.
0: That's some wacky shit. Um, and the reason I was down for it is that that's um all Kirby. Yeah, that's Kirby stuff. Yeah, And, and and it's all weird ass Kirby stuff. And I know there's a Neil Gaiman run which I flagged but I never read. And then now there's like a new run. I at some point have to kind of get schooled up on my Eternals. Like, I, I don't really know enough and I'm not sure. Like, look, it's Marvel. I'm excited. The director they got is a, um, Oscar award winning director. Like, she just won, um, this year an Oscar. I, I don't think the MCU is going to do a bad job on it. I just don't really know anything about yeah. the Eternals. Like, I, I just, I want to get schooled up a little, um, in preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything in that Marvel thing, like, I mean, they just showed you like a whole shit ton of titles, um, with dates that they're coming out and, yep uh clips of of Shang Chi, like it it's it's all good. It's so good. Yeah. So good. Yes. And then ended with the four for Fantastic Four, right? Because yes.
1: Yep. All of that. Because what better Um, place to bring in the Fantastic Four than in Phase Four?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean not only like anchor them in phase four. Like I said, I'm hoping my fingers crossed that um casting takes some liberties with the casting for Fantastic Four, yeah, I don't think they have to be white people. Um, they don't have to be. Like, white people. I, I like, I think, like, let let the MCU do what they do best, and like, like, I just trust their casting to begin with. I um, mean,
1: right now, the current frontrunner, still according to Scuttlebutt, for Doctor Doom is Giancarlo Esposito, so I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. Oh my, <laughs> like,
2: because
0: because that's the other part of this, right? When we talk about the Fantastic Four, um, you can't do the Fantastic Four without victor von doom and you need like for like you like you need a character actor to play victor von doom so yes um
2: and and he would be and he would be amazing
0: he would be fantastic i would be right i would be right in there for um for him being casted as doom okay other things on my list uh this week um i i did watch voyager um in keeping with the watch party um we're in, we're into season four. These are like, these are now much easier episodes for me. I like, I like these. Um, they go pretty, they go pretty quick. Uh, I watched more blacklist. I crossed over into season two, of blacklist. Um, I, I like the show. I forget how much I liked the show. Um, it, it, uh, it would have been a cool premise for a role playing game. Um, it's a fun game. And James Spader is just, um, as, as Reddington. Um, I, I love that character so much. Um, He's great. Um, Did you watch past season two? Um, I think I have when it was on the air. Yeah,
1: because I so, was like, like while season two was airing, I was like five, six episodes behind. That's yeah. when I was catching up to it, and I didn't like season two as much as I liked season one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it was there's there was something about the whole the whole baby storyline that just didn't work for
0: me. I think that's season three was that three. Did I get two is two is he's like two he's trying to f- figure out what to do with Berlin. Maybe I made it to season three. I made it to the baby. Yeah, and I I, I know I I made it that far too. Um, but I'm not anywhere near there. I'm like early season two, and we're, we're mm-hmm. not anywhere near baby at this point. Yeah. But anyway, um, I, I I still dig that one. Uh, I've been um, playing around. Like the only thing I've been playing at, with any regularity is this uh, app game, Space Arena Builder, um, which is still moderately fun um and uh then lastly uh, we played some forbidden lands and uh i thought i knew how the adventure was going to go that evening (laughs) surprise but you know here's the thing about it um so here here's what happened in the previous session the characters um were engaged in some mass combat and overran the town from these religious zealots the rust brothers who were controlling the town yeah and they had bottled up the last of the um the last of them in the town hall. And then they went in like busted in the doors and they, you know, they, they made a stand. Like they had some, um, hostages under a magical thrall. Um, and I just figured like, this will probably just go down as a, um, this will go down as a fight. And Bob wound up negotiating with them. And I don't like playing cheesy bad guys, right? Like I could have just forced it into a fight. Um, But like, Bob was like, we'll let you leave, like go back north and tell like, you know, and tell the rest of your zealots what happened here. Mm -hmm. And there were only three of them. So it wasn't like they could make any real stand without getting murdered. Uh So I was like, okay, they leave. Like, they can't possibly win this situation. They're outnumbered. The town's overrun. Like, escape is the only option they really have at this point. Um if you had started the fight, they would have had to defend themselves. But yeah. when you open the door for him, I was like, yeah, all right. Well, I they're leaving. Like, mm-hmm. we're not doing this combat scene. I even had like a battle mat set out for it. Like, we just like, nope, we're we're, we're just not going to do
1: that. You never know. Yeah, I, I thought about it when we got into the situation. My character, um, if we run into a rust brother and these are like the the really 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 heinously bad religious zealots like these are the kind of people like you will toe the line and you will worship their way when they say and yeah. and and all of that crap um and they will they will kill you without Yep, they will put anything. you to the sword yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. my character like if, if i run into one of them uh it doesn't take much of an excuse for me to just take the axe to him But they've been building up forces and they've been starting to encroach closer and closer to where our base is and gobbling up towns along the way. Mm. And when we went to liberate this town of Swanford, I was like, all right, like, I could just wait in here and just hack this dude up, or I could send him home with a message to the head muckety-muck and say, Mm. listen, cut your shit or you're going to have problems with me, (laughs) right?
2: (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and we're getting a reputation for for being quite capable
0: people. <laughs> and they did make the, they made you yep. guys made your reputation roll, yep. so they knew who you were.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like they
0: also know without being able to pin it on you. Yeah. They also know that when they sent out a group of these guys to track down some refugees that tried to escape from the town, yep. those people never came home.
1: That's right, because we killed them all. They tried yes. to assault our camp, and we said no." We engaged all defenses and we killed them all, and we buried the bodies and said, "That's what we do to zealots and that was that um and I know that the the guy who's leading the charge up the up the up the up the way river up the river um I know he's not going to back down. he's not going to be like, "Oh yeah, uh, okay, I guess maybe we'll no." he's going to come in force and he's going to be like, we have to take out these adventuring jerks that keep screwing up our plans. But, you know, I wanted to give them that message and say, look, plus I also wanted to give the town like that, like, look, like killing everything in sight. Isn't always the answer, you know, Mm -hmm. like subconsciously, like that was, that was like a subtle message to the town as well. Like these guys did bad things to your people, but, Everybody else has paid for it. We're sending them off on their way to tell the other people, you don't mess with us. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them didn't agree with it. I'm sure they would have liked a little more retribution, but, you know, but again, well, I mean, it's this, interesting. This it's group, interesting. Cause
0: now I have to figure out like what the, um, like what the response to, that. I mean, first of yeah. all, look, they lost a lot of resources. Oh, yeah. Like they yeah. sent a lot of resources into that town to take it and to build um, the forces to go take other towns around yep. the lake. And now they just lost all that. So, yep. um, I, I think what's going to wind up happening is that, um, for the sake of, um, and this is just from a jamming point of view, yeah. like I think they have to circle their wagons. Sure. Like, I, the threat didn't go away, but I don't think like next week they're going to march on on uh, on the on the city. No. no, I don't think so. Which is okay because honestly, what it does for us in a, in terms of beats is now we'll go and do another. Like, you guys can go do another thing now.
1: Yep. Exactly. But yeah, it's so, it, and this is not, this is not the first time that this particular adventuring party has not gone all murder hobo.
0: No, I like, gave you an experience point yeah, for not going murder
1: hobo many times before that, that sometimes killing is not the answer.
0: Right. Yes. I mean, if killing has to be done, yeah, you're we'll do fully prepared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I like, it was, it was just interesting cause I was like, I, you know, I was like, Oh, I, this is pretty much like a, um, this is pretty much just like a, uh, straightforward adventure like a a straightforward encounter yeah and you know but when you when you offered it to him i was like in my head i was like it would be really dumb for them to make a stand right now like there's no win to this they can't take back the town Nope. and even if they kill one of you they're probably gonna die and they're not gonna win anything anyway because the townspeople will murder them if they try to walk out of here i was like no they're leaving like they they just need to get out of here the, the the hostages they had were merely a tactic to buy their way out of the town yep so i was good with it like i didn't have a problem with it but it did catch me by surprise and, it, and then i had less material <laughs> um so it was fine like it's totally fine yeah. and i like I, for that game like wherever it winds up is i'm happy with like at 45 sessions in yeah uh and coming up on two years of play yeah um I'm very comfortable, like, whatever happens in that game is what happens, and that's cool. But it was a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, I thought they would just go in and murder those guys, like, to finish off the whole thing. And it's like, yeah, they totally didn't murder them. Okay. Like, all right, well, then that's, you know, then that's what we're doing tonight.
1: Another notable thing about that session was we started discussing the possibility of some of the characters either being retired or um, swapping them out troop style because glenn decided that he wanted to he was thinking of retiring his character and he started rolling up another one
0: yeah we got to talking about how much um a lot of you guys have have not only have a lot of experience sitting in your character like on your character sheet but a lot of you have um spent a lot of experience and are actually pretty um jacked up and um since this game is showing no signs of quitting I opened the door on the idea that like, Hey, if you want to retire one of your characters or put them in the background and want to make up an, another one, uh, not only can you do it, but I will also let you take all of your current experience points from your one character and give them, uh, to your new character so that your new character can actually start off with some extra, um, with some extra stuff. Uh, you, you have enough of a reputation and you have a home base now that yep. like people are going to seek you out. Yep. So, so yeah. uh, which I think is really cool because the idea of like troop or generational play, like, also seems um, like pretty dope. Yeah. Like, and uh, and I think it's good. Like, yeah. I think it'll be fine to just uh, like just to have that. Um, what you call it? Just to have that opportunity, like, to try out new character. Like, why not? Like other. Yeah. Like otherwise, the game could get stale. Like, yep. and you know, and I and I did say like you don't have to retire your character. You can simply say like. My character now primarily resides at the keep, but like, you know, at the next time we return to the keep, you could be like, Oh yeah, I'm taking that character out instead. Yeah. Which then really gets it into troop style. Yep. But I was very okay with that. Cool. I think it'll be fun. Yep. Um, yeah. Good I'm time. again, I mean, I never expected Forbidden Lands to go this long. Yeah. Um Oh, and the other thing, I'll just mention this before we wrap up for tonight. Um, we had this discussion in our Forbidden Lands game. We are all fully vaccinated. <sighs> And in two weeks, we're gonna play in person for the first time in You're like fifteen sit months at a
1: table together. Yeah, in our vaccinated forms.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's 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 only four of us in the game. Yep. Four or five of us. Um, we're just gonna go to Sean's house where we always play. Uh, it'll just be the five of us in you know in the game room, yep. all fully vaccinated yep. by CDC standards, with uh, with a, with a small room gathering of all vaccinated people. We can go maskless. and um yeah we're gonna do it in person and and it's
1: beforehand
0: and yeah it's gonna seem really weird just like old Um, times the one weird the the one thing i have to do besides prep the adventure is that because this is forbidden lands um you have to know what hexes you've been through because you don't have to roll for those again um so now i have to update the The uh 16 month old uh paper map with the virtual map from roll 20 and and line them back up and put in all the hexes that they've been through. And they've been through a lot of hexes. Um So, yeah, I forgot. Like, we're going back in person. And that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. It'll be the first time I think I've seen Bob since September. Uh, yeah. Probably. September or October. Yeah. So, um <sighs> yeah, it's going to be. I know it's going to be emotional. Like yeah. it's, it's going to be a whole thing before we even start playing. Oh yeah. There's going to be hugs. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of hugs. A lot going of on. hugging. A lot of so hugging. yeah, that's it. That's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, and that's probably a good place for us to leave off for yeah. tonight and head into the after Jump show. The after so show. Bob, get us out of here with some patron shout
1: outs. I will do some patron shout outs. Thank you very much to MT black, Matthew Petrozelli, Mike Olson, Padme's lover, Robert Dorgan, Ryan Bolter, Texas Bento, and Troy Pitchelman. And thank you to everyone tonight for listening.
0: If you are free <coughs> on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. The Queen's Time, come join us live on Twitch, where you can chat with other listeners in the awesome chat room for life and
2: ask us the occasional question. Uh, if you want to make a live show, check out our podcast each week, wherever you get our podcasts. And take a listen to some of the other shows the you can stretch mark networks, such as Master Dungeon, Bone Zone Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Pass Sucking Games, The Gnome Cast, Hustle, the Lounge, Bonus Experience, and back episodes of She's a Super League. You can and should also check out our sibling podcast, Tabletop Bellhop, The Nights of the Night, and The Always Amazing Gaming and BS.
0: After you have picked your job, and before you call your fence to make sure that they can move those items, why don't you drop us a line? You can reach us directly uh, via the old-fashioned emails, mmp at com. Hit us up on Twitter, the show, and the network is at misdirectedmark. He's at Robert M. Everson. He is GM Gerrymander. I am DNA Phil.
1: If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash mmp. Django Hustle is at patreon.com slash Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases.
2: This has been a Mr. Clark production. The media arm of encoded designs. <clears throat> Mic drop.
1: Y'out.